Well, the title of the sermon this morning is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? (laughs) And uh, for some of you who don't remember or weren't even born then, this is a title of a movie from the 60s. Uh, So if that rings a bell, that's where I uh, came up with this idea of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? The title, title, the scripture is from Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36 to 50. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked him over over for a meal, speaking of Jesus, asked Jesus over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then a woman of the village, a town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was the prophet I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who is falling all over him. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me, Simon replied. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up. And so the banker canceled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet. But she has rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. Then he spoke to her, I forgive your sins. That set the dinner guest talking behind his back. Who does he think he is forgiving sins? He ignored them and said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Guess who's coming to dinner? As you might imagine, it is this lady who showed up unexpected and uninvited. It's important for us to know that just like the Pharisee, it is important for us to know that being religious, uh, knowing all the laws and fulfilling certain requirements of a church or of a denomination does not get us into heaven. You know, our name written on some register, (laughs) some register or, you know, being affiliated with a particular church doesn't automatically get us in. There's a story, um, I remember this from years ago, uh, a man who was very active in his church, he was um, on all the committees and so on, but yet he was a kind of an individual who was, you know, pretty self-focused and pious. And one Sunday, he was standing at the door and he stopped people from coming in. And he told them that they were not allowed in because they were not dressed appropriately, according to, you know, up to his standards. And, of course, they were offended and left and never came back. 
And it would seem, well, this man is, you know, well, maybe he's just protecting the church and whatever. But later, this individual was arrested because he was receiving two Social Security checks and refused to tell the government. So his, his conduct was not becoming what he should have been as an individual. And so our faith, even though he knows or knew the rules and uh, the guidelines of the church and was very well aware of what he thought people should do, he was not, his faith had not gone into every area of his life. Well, Simon the Pharisee in the scripture, he is, he's not as arrogant as many of the Pharisees are, but he, you know, because he did invite Jesus to come and, you know, to, to have a meal at his house, but he was kind of like hedging his options, you know. He was, he was kind of walking both sides of the road because they hadn't really come to a conclusion as to who Jesus is and to, you know, whether or not he's really a prophet or, uh, or whether he's somebody that should be shunned and, you know, killed. So he invites Jesus to his house and um, he, you know, brings him in and they, and they recline at the table. If you're familiar with, maybe you've seen pictures of um, the time, that time period, they didn't sit around the table like we have a table, you know, and we sit around with chairs and so on. Well, their tables were probably maybe 12 inches, 18 inches off the floor, and then they had ta- uh, pillows around the tables, and they would recline at the table with their shoulder and head towards the table and their feet away from the table, okay? So the people that are at this table with Jesus are around the table, but their feet are extended back. So that's the picture that we have of Jesus reclining at the table with these individuals for this meal. Well, this Pharisee, though, he treated Jesus, he invited him to dinner, but yet he treated Jesus like a second-class citizen. And uh, the custom of the time was that when you would enter a house, either the master of the house or his slaves, his servants, would wash the people's feet and, you know, let them freshen up. Well, when Jesus arrived at this individual's house, he felt that it was permissible because he didn't think Jesus amounted too much. To too much. He didn't even follow through with what was the customary procedures. He didn't follow through with washing his feet. He didn't, you know, he didn't follow through with the customary greeting and kiss and welcome, you know. We do the welcome around here, you know, hug, whatever, handshake, whatever's, whatever's permissible. Well, in the, in the time of Jesus, that was, in the time, that was their formal greeting. It was a way of welcoming someone. You know, we, we've seen that, you know, some of the customs, you know, you grab somebody and you kiss them on both sides of their cheek. We don't do that. Okay, we don't do it on one side. Okay, we don't do both. That's excessive. Okay, that's a joke. But uh, (laughs) just giving a hug. Whatever works, okay? You know, whatever works for you. And that's why it's it's, it's something that whatever whatever is appropriate, if it, you know, some people don't even like to uh, shake hands. And that's okay because it's all right. Whatever is permissible for you, that's permissible. The idea is we have a welcome, and we want you to feel as welcome as possible and that we share that welcome with one another. Well, Simon the Pharisee, 
he would not even extend the basic custom of washing their feet. Say, well, why? Well, they wore sandals. <laughs> well, we wear sandals. Uh, our feet don't get that dirty. Well, if you lived in, <laughs> in a desert community in a very dry, arid climate, we would know that, you know, have you ever uh, seen a dusty field um, walking through it? You get dirt all over you. It's just dusty and dirty. Well, their roads were all, and their paths were all dusty. You know, the only place that was perhaps paved was the Roman roads that the soldiers had slaves that would build them, and they would build them out of blocks of stone that um, people would travel on. If that wasn't done, it was just a plain old dirt path. And so when people would walk, they would get extremely dirty. Their feet would become extremely dusty. And so it was a customary gesture to help to have people clean up or freshen up whenever they arrived. So Simon, a man who measures himself by the uh, keeping of the regulations. I mean, he's a Pharisee. A Pharisee was an individual. He had laws, he had regulations, and his life was entirely governed by those regulations. But in this case, he dismisses them because he doesn't feel that Jesus is worthy of him fulfilling the most basic of hospitality. The, the most basic of hosp being hospitable, he would not, he didn't even do it. It's like Jesus showed up and he was lucky that he left him in, you know. Do you ever go to somebody's house and they don't open the door for you and you walk in and they say hello and then they walk away? You know? It's like, uh, you know, the, the gentleman that said, it's, uh, it's uh, nine o'clock, you people can stay if you want, but I'm going to bed, you know. All right, so anyhow. So our faith and our relationship with Jesus is to enter into every aspect of our life and every aspect of our hospitality and of our being friend, friendly, whatever, and, and uh, working with and working uh, and greeting one another. Well, the emphasis in this text that we read here is both on Simon and on the woman. One, Simon, being the Pharisee who has just canceled out all of the proper etiquette, and upon the woman who breaks all of the etiquette. So her character was, she was notorious. She was a notorious sinner, a prostitute, an adulteress. Now, there's no reason given why she's of this character, but in those days, um, generally, people would be stoned for this illicit behavior. But perhaps she was a widow, or she was divorced. And a woman at that time period had no, no social security, no backing. It, they became a beggar. So perhaps she was forced into this to survive, whether it's by choice or by, will, by uh, survival, we find that she has become this prostitute. But we know that she, when she approaches Jesus, she does not try to defend her actions or give excuses for what she has done or what she is as an individual. So her actions, according to God's law, were indefensible. 
There's no way that you can justify, she can justify what has happened in her life and what she's been doing. So she admitted her sins. She admitted her sins and made a passionate display of love and of gratitude to Christ. It was like this whole broken, brokenness of her heart and of her life just came pouring forth as she approached Jesus. Her sorrow was such that she was weeping profusely. I mean, she is, you know, the, I like in, in, the, in the Message Bible, it says she rained, her tears rained down on her. I mean, so she's really broken over what her, what her life has been. And so she offered God this expression of sorrow. She expresses her sorrow to Jesus. And the woman had obviously reached a place where what was going on in her life, we don't really know, but she has reached the place where she needed a change. She needed a change in her life. She needed a change in who she was, and she needed something to go right instead of something going wrong. So she enters a house, and, and she does so as an uninvited guest. I mean, she walks in. <laughs> now, generally, there were gates and so on you know, around these, these homes. Um, as far as doors and things, many of them didn't have, don't have, doors. Uh, they may have something that they would put across the gate or maybe a door at night that would be closed for, for somewhat of protection, but often they have open, open homes. Um, in El Salvador, it was one of the homes that David and Jenny lived in to, towards the end. They moved out into this very rural community. It was almost to the Guatemala border, and they moved in <laughs> There was a door, on, a door that could be locked in the front of the house, and there was bars where the windows is, but there were no windows. And the entire, around the house, the entire perimeter was open. I mean, you walk to the back of the house, and the house was not that big, but you walk to the back of the house, and there was a ledge there, maybe about three and a half feet high, and then it went off the back for about 30 feet. And it's like, now this is where you want your kids to play. <laughs> You know, uh, and it was just open out out to the to the hills, and the birds and whatever could fly right in. And they had, you know, uh, when David and them they moved in there, I think they in the first week they killed like five scorpions. And I said, David, did you tell Emma not to pick up those little bugs <laughs> crawling on the floor? Uh, but there was nothing. The the cats from the neighborhood they would come through the bars. There, you know, snakes come through the bars. There was nothing that kept things out of your house. Your kitchen, your kitchen was next to the window, and your window was next to the bars, and on one side there was nothing there. So people could just walk around the side of the house and say, hello. <laughs> you know, there was nothing to keep them out. And in their house, there were only two secure rooms with doors, and those were the bedrooms, and that was it. Well, in this community, there may have been gates but everything is open. And she had heard that Jesus was here at this, at this Pharisee's house, Simon's house, and she walks in. <laughs> what do you do when an uninvited guest walks into your house? You know, what do you do when someone who, uh, that is, <laughs> their reputation in the community is very well known and they just walk into your house? Well, 
according to the rules of society and for the Pharisees, she, sh she should have been thrown out. They should have just thrown her out. It was forbidden for her to even assume that she could walk into a Pharisee's home because a Pharisee considered himself superior and clean, clean, religiously clean, pure, because they'd gone through all of the ceremonial uh, cleansings and washings and keeping the law. And this woman who was an adulteress was unclean, and if she walked into a house, it contaminated the house. Okay, so when she walks in, it is like, what on earth is she doing here? Okay, and if she had been any moments or whatever, I'm sure they would have thrown her out, but she wanted to see Jesus. She came to Jesus with a broken heart. She came to Jesus broken over her life. She came to him in such emotional, no, spiritual trauma that she couldn't stop crying. She walked into this house and into the presence of Jesus, and it, it's something how that the quote-unquote, which she is, a sinner, this adulterous woman and her behavior is known by everyone, she comes with a brokenness in her heart that when she sees Jesus, she just can't stop crying. Now, in the same house is this Pharisee who is a very religious person, but yet his attitude toward Jesus is, you know, he's really not a prophet, and not that we, can, not that we would consider him one, and we won't even give him the most basic of hospitalities. He is so far beneath what I expect him to be. I won't even have my servants wash his feet. Same Jesus, two entirely different perspectives of him. And in the challenge, I think, that comes to our life is, how do we see Christ? How do we see, allow him to, today, you know, as we took and we, we partake of communion, he is our Savior who takes away our sins. And that Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sins. You know, some of them more pronounced than others and some of them more hid than others, but we've all sinned. And, and preparing our hearts for communion is like an openness that we approach Jesus and he is approachable. He is approachable. You know, he's approachable. You ever just feel comfortable being with someone? Just feel comfortable in their presence. The people who were religious, the people who were considered kept, keeping all the rules and kept all the regulations they are the people who couldn't find it in their heart to be sensitive to Jesus. But the individuals who were considered the lowest and the worst of the society, the people who had no hope according to the religious structure, they are the ones who found hope in Jesus. They are the ones who found comfort in being in his presence. So let us never feel uncomfortable in God's presence. Well, what if we've done things wrong? 
That's why you're there, and that's why he's here. He's here to forgive us and remove those sins from our life, and he begins, we start a life anew. We start, everything is new, a new day, a new life, a new beginning in Christ. And, well, how often does it begin? It begins every day. The promises of God are renewed every morning. <laughs> so, how, many t- how, ma- how often does the sun come up? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> well, how often are the promises of God renewed? Every day. How often do I begin my relationship with God? Every day. This is the first day of the rest of our lives. What about the failures? Well, what about the successes? This is a new day. This is a beginning with God. And we are taking the principles of God's word and the promises of God's word and we're integrating them into our life. We're not like the individual who, you know, stands at the door and says, you can't come in because you don't dress the way I want you to. You know, that's like the Pharisee. The Pharisee said, well, you know what? We got these rules and regulations and you can't become part of us until you match up to these regulations. So what does Jesus do? He walks right in. He reclines at the table. And along comes this woman who comes into the house and walks up to the feet of Jesus. Remember, he's reclining at the table. And she walks into this setting of hostility. You know, you ever been in a place where you felt unwelcome? <laughs> well, see, that's why I don't want you ever, I don't want anyone ever to feel unwelcome in our church. Because Everyone is welcome because we're always welcome into God's presence. God will never, never tell us that you're not not good enough. God will never say to us, you're not welcome. Never. So we, as the body of Christ, should always be that same, that, you know, we're trying to be Jesus Christ to the world around us. And so we are, we, are, we are a welcoming presence. Now, of course, there's certain things you just, there's some people that, you know, you have to just wait a minute now. Let's take it easy here because some people you can't trust, you know, like the Pharisees and things like that. They were just out to, to use or to abuse Christ. And so Jesus was always very difficult, very hard with them. But this woman walks into his life and walks into this setting. And her brokenness is such that her tears are as the scripture says raining down and it's not in the text but it says they're raining down and then she says that she lets down her hair and it's almost like i i I don't i don't think she has this planned i'm gonna go in and cry so much that i'm gonna i'm going to cry on his feet and then i'm gonna let down my hair and you know i'm gonna do this and i she does bring a box of perfume with her. And the perfume is very expensive. It probably represents her life savings of, from her activities and things, trying to get her out of her poverty. And she takes what she has and who she is. She comes in and she just is broken to the point that she is weeping all over his feet. And then it's almost like, I'm imagining this part, it's almost like I've, I'm making a mess on his feet 
And so she takes, and she has nothing but her hair, and she starts wiping his feet. And then with the sorrow and recognition, he is someone very, very special. She kisses his feet, and she anoints his feet. The Pharisee looks at this situation and, 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 and the scripture says, look at this woman falling all over this man. <laughs> and Jesus says, look at this woman who is broken in her sin. Broken in her character that she wants forgiveness. Two people looking at the same thing. The one trying to build up his defenses not to be not to um, break down his barriers of religiousness, religiosity or whatever. He's not, he doesn't want to break that down, so therefore he's got to condemn this woman. And Jesus says, this is what it's all about. And then he speaks to the, the guy and he says, well, if you have this guy who has two, you know, there's this, these two individuals and they owe the banker, one is 500 days wages. Is it five, 500? Um, yeah, 500 days wages and 50 days wages. 500 pieces of silver and 50 pieces of silver. So you've got 500 days of wa wages and you've got 50 days of wages you owe a banker. And the banker comes up and forgives both their debts. Which one is more grateful? Well, obviously the guy who has 500 days wages owed to the banker, he's going to be more grateful. And this is when Jesus says to the Pharisee, but also to this woman, he who has been forgiven much appreciates much. Our appreciation for Jesus is connected very much to how forgiven we feel. How forgiven and how privileged we are to have this forgiveness in our life. And that's why I think that it's so important that we be gracious and that we be forgiving and thankful to God because he has forgiven us much. The things we couldn't do for ourselves, he does for us. We could never forgive ourselves. We could never erase our sin. We, can, we are to forgive and forgive ourselves, forgive others, and go on. And it is God's presence that comes to us and Jesus does the unthinkable. He tells the woman, your sins are forgiven. I mean, that just sets off the Pharisees. And I, I think of it in the context that God is interested in us to the point that no matter who gets upset with who we are or what we represent, and with our prayers and with our faith, no matter who gets upset with it, the most important voice, the most important spirit, the most important words we hear are the words of Jesus that tell us that we're his children. We belong to him. And that he's going to take care of us. And that his forgiveness is, is there to heal the brokenness. Heal the brokenness because we are grateful for the forgiveness of all that we've done wrong, whether we have 500 days wages or 50 days wages, whether we've done great sins or not so great sins, 
It's the point that God forgives us because he loves us. And that's the beginning of our relationship. And this woman, Jesus sits there, he lays there at this point, and she anoints his feet, and he just speaks his word to give her comfort and forgiveness. And everything changes in her life. Pharisee, it always is the same. They don't, they don't change. He just, he's offended at Jesus. But the woman, she's forgiven by Jesus. We, all, we never want to be offended at his word, but we want his word to become part of our life. And that life will give us strength for every day. Amen? Let's stand, shall we? Do you know how important it is to know the word? How important it is for us to understand, to grasp the concepts of the scripture. There are millions of people out there that have no concept about forgiveness. They have no concept about how that our life is a gift and that God is working in us and the promises of God are part of us and how that our life can be changed and how that it is changed by his presence. And this is a great gift to us. This is a great gift to our lives. God has a plan for us. God has a future for us. God is with us. And that he looks at us with compassion, never with disdain. He looks at us with love of what he can do in our life, and what he will do in our life, and what he has created us to become. And that's all in the process of becoming. So let go of the past, let it be forgiven. Begin in the present to allow the gifts of God and the promises of God and the work of God to come to the surface in our lives, that we can build on what Jesus has done. The woman, Jesus forgave her, and she went out and her life was changed. The Pharisee, he was still standing at the door telling people, don't come in. You're not, you're, not, you're not quite right for what we have in mind. And that's not what Jesus is about. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you, O oh God, for touching our lives and for your presence. We thank you for your word. Make it real to our hearts, O oh God, and continue to build that relationship, Lord, with us. That every moment of every day we sense your presence God, you bring your word to our thoughts and our remembrances, Lord, to give us strength, to give us help, to give us your character, to give us your presence, Lord. In your presence, in the presence of Jehovah. What? What happens in the presence of Jehovah? Hearts are mended. Lives are changed. Amen? God bless you. Amen.